The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Friends, welcome to yet another program, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily at this time across the Shepherd Radio Network in Orlando on AM 1270, in Ocala and the Villages on both 720 AM and uh, 103.5 FM, and in Gainesville at 1430 AM and 96.3 FM Welcome aboard. If you're ever traveling through these different areas, you can uh, keep listening to The Shepherd on each of those different frequencies. It is great to have you with us. On the line with me, a first-time caller today, Judd Saul is the president of Equipping the Persecuted. It's a ministry that's dedicated to serving the persecuted people of Nigeria. Now, uh, there's a lot to this. Judd himself is is an American living in uh, Iowa, in Sioux City, and I, I'm just amazed at how God's call and what he puts a burden on people's hearts, how it changes them, and, and now he is serving uh, this nation and these people that are persecuted so many miles away from his home base. Judd, I admire that. Welcome to my program. Thank you for having me on, sir. It is great to hear from you and to know what you're doing. Give us a little bit, if you will, about the backstory as to how you came to know the Lord. Well, I came to know the Lord when I was nine years old. I uh, heard a very convicting message at uh, the church I was at, and I uh, confessed my sins and uh, came to know Christ that day. Uh, but Later on in life, uh, in my teenage years and uh, after high school, I kind of uh, thought I could do things on my own. I thought I could live life on, uh, go live life on my own and do what I wanted to do. And uh, in 2009, uh, the Lord slapped me upside the head, (laughs) and I really had a come to Jesus moment. That's good. And the Lord, and the Lord said, "Judd, I put you on this earth to do things." for me. I didn't put you on earth to do things for you. That's right. And I got on my knees, I repented of my sins, and I started taking my faith very seriously. And it was just after that point in time where uh, my grandfather, who was an evangelist, uh, was doing some missions work in Nigeria, and I felt the call to go help him out with that mission. So how old were you at that point? Uh, Let's Wow, I'm so old now. No, it was, uh, um, I would have uh, been in my early 30s. So, you know, you come to the Lord in that decision at age nine, but it wasn't until you're in your early 30s that this really landed in your heart. And I think that's a pretty common thing with so many people. And sadly, a lot of uh, people who make those early commitments, they never really have that come to Jesus moment. And and that's really sad, too. And I, I pray for them. I pray that that happens because that moment is more life-changing even than what what happens when we're young and we put faith in. I'm not saying that that's nothing. I think it is great for young people to confess the Lord and to walk the aisle. And if if they're true believers, to be baptized. I think often young people need their parents' help in determining some of those waters and whether or not that's the, the, the time for that. But having said that, uh, it is great to, to see someone who comes to the Lord the way you did, and then you've got this influence from your grandfather. And so was he taking regular trips to Nigeria? Yeah, he was uh, taking regular trips to Nigeria. He uh, uh, was on the board of a mission that was doing things out there, and so after high school, I went into film video production. I went to film school in Orlando, actually. I went to Full Sail. Oh, my goodness, and then, yes. And uh, so I had a very, uh, you know, marketing film video production background. And my grandpa brought this missionary in, and he's, and this is in 2009, mind you. Yeah. And he's using a slide projector. Yeah. 
with you know like the click click with the little uh, photo slides in it going oh, through the thing. Crazy. He was telling me, yeah, he was telling amazing stories of of the work the Lord was doing in Nigeria, and I was just like, these guys need a lot of help. They need some and technology. <laughs> That's right. They need a lot of help in technology. So that was my initial <laughs> calling and why I went and why I went to Nigeria. Sure. Uh, but I want, but I just want to let your uh, listeners know something is, you know, I, I got saved when I was nine, but. I was rooted in a good Bible-believing church at the time, so I had memorized Scripture. I knew the Bible, and when I came back and I repented of my sins, I started taking my life seriously, all that stuff I learned as a child came back to life. That's right. That's good. And that pulls all of that together. That's why I say I'm not taking anything at all away from that. But God, He matures us, doesn't He? And that's what He did with you. Yeah, and and but but I but I want to say how important it is for parents and, and for to root your children in those verses, even if they they get away from the faith for a while. Yeah. If you have them rooted rooted in a foundation that they can come back to, they know where to start. And that is so true. There there is nothing more valuable than having that legacy of going to church with your parents. Uh, in your case, seeing the influx of uh, your grandfather's faith in your life, how that that made a difference. Oh, this is just a wonderful thing to have a legacy passed on as you did when you were nine years old. So that is a beautiful thing, and I'm grateful for what the Lord has done. Grateful he gave you this this burden. Uh, Did did you use that uh, background in filmmaking? Were Were you making your living using that before this call happened in your life? Yes. Yeah, I was I was doing that for a living. I was doing very secular things. I was doing things that I regret I did uh, in that business. Mm. And um, the Lord pulled me out of it. And uh, he says, I put you here on the surf to do things for me. And that's when I decided to use all that skill sets to do things for the kingdom. That's wonderful. That's great. And, and so that's how all of this started. How soon into this did you get the idea for this organization equipping the persecuted? How did that happen? So I kept on going back to Nigeria, um, and I felt a burden uh, for the Nigerian people. Uh, Nigeria is a place you either go and God gives you the grace and you love it there, or you absolutely hate it because it is so foreign to uh, what we experience here as Christians. But uh, I fell in love with the people, fell in love with the country. And as I started going back, I saw more and more of these attacks increase. And I saw more and more of our persecuted brothers and sisters being affected. And um, the Lord laid it on my heart to fill the void and be a mission on the ground that actually helps persecuted Christians on the ground in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And... I I, uh, already had a great network of pastors and friends that I developed over the last decade, and I asked them, I said, what if somebody created a mission that was ready to respond to these attacks, to raise awareness about these attacks, and also empower villages on security awareness training? And, uh, and be able to, you know, save as many lives as possible. And they said, we need this yesterday. When can we start? And so that's why I started it. Wow. Now, when you go in as an American, you're going to Nigeria on these trips, and you're already, now we've already established that this is a Muslim terrorist group that's murdering, not just giving Christians a hard time. They're, they're killing people there. There's yeah. an element to danger even to what you're doing, right? Ninety percent of all Christian persecution deaths occurred in Nigeria last year. Oh, I had not heard that. And they're on track to meet that statistic this year. And we, you never hear about it in the media. You don't hear about what's actually happening. No one reports on it. There's so many attacks that occur that go unreported. It, it's crazy, and which is a reason why we started trying to get the word out about what's going on. And what you're seeing right now happen is a systematic shift from what we call a cultural uh, Muslim jihad to a violent jihad, where mm. they've reached a certain peak of the population, about 50%, where they've now taken over the politics of the area, and when they take over the politics and gain political control, now they're turning violent, and they're just going after little village by little village. I call it death by a thousand attacks. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what little bit about Nigeria I know, I learned from a friend who was a doctor. She was uh, from Nigeria. Her, her mom and dad uh, live in Nigeria, but they also have a place in uh, England. And they're, I think, pretty well off from the standpoint of position. But Nigeria, from what I know about it, and you, you weigh in on this, if you will, it, it's very kind of almost regional, territorial, a lot of uh, clans or uh, family groups. And there's an expectation that you'll marry someone in, from your area. Is, is that correct? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tribal traditions uh, and family traditions are very strong in Nigeria. Uh, that That is very true. Yeah. So that's what, uh, and, and amazingly, this young lady uh, that we just know and love from Nigeria met someone that was just outstanding, and he fit all of those boxes that that we've just mentioned right there. And they're living and doing great here in the United States right now. But so this group, uh, apart from this time that you're describing right now, uh, life wasn't that way before this this uh, political kind of jihad started happening, right? I mean, it was a lot different back even when your grandfather started ministering there. Oh, yeah. It, uh, uh, Nigeria was a majority Christian nation, uh, and uh, it was full of missionaries and people doing a lot of great work. And you're talking about an African country. This is a very impoverished nation mm-hmm. where uh, 85% of the population lives in, in poverty. And I'm talking world poverty standards, not U.S. poverty standards, meaning the average Nigerian is lucky to make $100 a month. Wow. Wow. And how do they make it with that? How do they live? I, I we I call it uh, I call it a daily hustle, meaning finding ways to sell things, to sell things on the market. Yeah, many of them are, are farmers. They grow crops. They grow crops around their village, uh, in their backyards, and then and they sell crops. And it's just kind of a like I call it a daily hustle. So the and, daily and, hustle and, would not be to get ahead so that you can buy something. The daily hustle would be to have food that you can live by, right? Just to survive, just to survive and provide for your family. Yeah. And that's how 85% of Nigerians live. Isn't that something? Well, I, I can tell you that the, the friends that I knew were not part of that particular uh, percentage of Nigeria, but that is nonetheless the case. And so your grandfather was over here doing ministry to these people that by our standards would be exceptionally poor, maybe third world poor, uh, without oh, a doubt. Yeah. Very, very third world poor. Oh, my goodness. And and so now you have this more recent upswing where the Muslims are moving in and they are taking control of populations and really changing the whole, not just political landscape, but the life landscape for the, the Nigerians, right? Yeah. What happens is um, they've already gained control of a large portion of the north of Nigeria and the, the, the places where we're operating is what we call the middle belt, which we call the line of the Muslim north and the Christian south. And what happens is uh, they, they go after the little villages outside of the larger cities. And I'm talking like towns of 500 people, 1,000 people, the ones that do not have any kind of police or military presence or security infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And they go in, they go in at night and even work with uh, Muslim neighbors or Muslims that live in the local communities that have been living with uh, their living with their Christian uh, counterparts for 20, 30 years. But even the Muslims in the community will join forces and attack those living in the communities. And they systematically push them out of, uh, out of where they live. The ones that survive end up in internal refugee camps. Mm. So they've lost their crops. They've lost everything they own. And they have nothing left but the clothes on their backs, and they're put into essentially internal refugee camps that are 50, 60 kilometers away from where they used to live. Do they disband some of these from the country? Is that happening too? Um, they don't disband them from the country. They're within country. Some people are trying to leave and evacuate and go elsewhere, but uh, that's been very troublesome because the only way out is – through harder controlled Muslim territory. That's right. Yeah, there's um, not so a lot of choice. Surrounded. So, so a lot of them um, end up becoming enslaved uh, if they try to get out and they have to go through these territories. 
Um, and in some cases, uh, I don't want to be too graphic here, but uh, a lot of them end up in, in human smuggling. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and uh, and uh, organ trafficking. Right. It's, it's horrendous what's happening to these people. Yeah, it, it is absolutely terrible. And what you're describing is it's heartbreaking because we think about people groups. You think about families. You think about young people being separated from their families, put into these trafficking scenarios. And it's all of the horrible things that we can imagine is their daily reality. And that's that's where they live. And this already on top of what would be, by most American standard, living in squalor, right? Right. You you barely have nothing, and then that what you very little of what you owned is now taken from you. Unreal, unreal. So when you go, what is the what would be the typical, uh, let's say, entourage that you travel with? Uh, we we have a security detail that travels with us because it's it's not safe for us to travel just on our own. Uh, we have to have security detail with us, and. Um, uh, many times we work with our team. I have a staff of 40 on the ground in Nigeria that's actively responding and working uh, to help persecuted Christians, a staff of 40 Nigerians wow. um, th- that are working on a regular basis. But we go into uh, the camps. Um, we've, we assess the situation. What do you need? What's going on? Like, like how can we help you right now? Um, and many times it's the, all their food's been destroyed. They have nothing to eat. And then there's massive sanitation issues, especially going into a camp where there's no, uh, there's no water, uh, there's mm-hmm. no well, there's no, uh, <laughs> they have, they, uh, there's no bathrooms. And uh, it's just very basic needs. And we say, okay, what do you need the most right now? If we have the resources, we go in and we help however we can. Yeah. So drinking water in that part of the country, I know there's a lot of relief organizations that drill wells and they try to bring safe drinking water. That itself becomes like a life necessity when you're living there. And again, that's something that Americans, we just simply take that for granted. Yeah, we can walk around any small town in America anywhere and we can find a drinking fountain. We, right. you know, if we need water, clean water out of the ground, we, we go to a drinking fountain. That is just not the case in a place like Nigeria. Most people, especially in rural villages that don't have wells, you're talking, they send the kids off, you know, nine, 10 year old girls a mile and a half away to go get water out of a dirty stream and carry it in buckets on their heads back to the village. Oh, my goodness. And I think we've all seen pictures like that. But isn't it true that it's so easy to see footage, see videos or pictures, and, and stay separated in heart? Really, that just seems distant. But for what you know and from what you've seen, uh, that is actually a real person with a with a real life, and and they're trying to make that life just go another day when they're in Nigeria like that, right? Yeah, and and, and I'll tell you when when you go into a place where they've had to where where they've had family members that have died from bad unclean water that they've gotten from these streams. Yeah. Yeah, uh, dysentery, typhoid, uh, river blindness, all these diseases that come from this unclean water. When you show up and you drill a water well in one of these camps, the joy, the celebration, the people are elated, and you have changed their lives forever by simply drilling a water well. I think that's amazing. And then being able to come in on a monthly basis, which we do, we uh, send in doctors and we do medical interventions where – um, we, we buy as much medicine as we can, and we triage people based on their needs and give them medicine and uh, eyeglasses, just very basic things to uh, help them live. And uh, this has saved many thousands of lives uh, wow. just by showing up and helping our persecuted brothers and sisters. Judd Saul is with me. We'll be back with Judd in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. 
an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with Judd Saul, first time I've had Judd with me, he is the president of Equipping the Persecuted. It's a ministry dedicated to helping those that are under that persecution in the country of Nigeria. And, you know, Nigeria, like you said, it's in Africa. It, 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 uh, it's far, far removed from where most Americans are. I think a lot of American Christians are, are believing in our own way that we the church is being persecuted by, uh, by our own American nation, and we have no idea if we make a statement like that. It's almost like we have no concept of what the kind of persecution you see as an American when you travel and you go to Nigeria as often as you do. Uh, the, the stuff you see there, there's no comparison, right? There's no comparison. Um, and th- this when I first went to Nigeria and I, and I came back, I was, uh, I remember a moment where I, I needed uh, some supplies <laughs> for the house and some, you know, just basic toiletries. And I walked into Walmart after my first time visiting Nigeria and I broke down. I just started crying in the oh, middle of the aisle. Goodness, yeah. Yeah. Because of, because of the abundance of what we have here in America that we so much take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you don't really have places like Walmart's in a place like Nigeria, let alone uh, the ability to to have access to all these things. Mm. So it, it, it shook my faith to the core, being and ministering with Christians uh, in Nigeria that that wake up in the morning and they thank God that they're alive. Yeah, they thank God and sing praises to Him. If they get, uh, if they if they're lucky enough to get uh, some some meat for the day, mm-hmm. yep, just to live another they, day. They have a joy in the Lord that shook my faith to my core. Yeah. How and, often do you go back to see them, Judd? Uh, three to four times a year is how often I I go back there. Wow. Now, when is your next trip happening? Next week. Oh, wow. That soon. Oh, that's great. So if you would, take us through a trip, a, a typical trip to Nigeria. <laughs> From the moment that you land on the, on the, the, in the nation, what is it like for you? What do you see? It's a, it's a total culture shock. Um, when, when you come in uh, to Nigeria, the, one of the first things that happens is is as soon as you get into the airport, uh, you have customs officials asking you for bribes. Um, the country from the top up and even within the government is one of the most corrupt nations that I have ever witnessed and experienced. Wow. And um, we get out of the airport. Once we get through customs and go through all that craziness, uh, we have our security detail that meets us. Um, and then they take us to our location. And uh, uh, we're greeted by a lot of people <laughs> uh, from our team and everything, and we get to our location, and we just hit the ground running, um, making going and visiting our orphanage, which we built last year, uh, going and visiting. A sc- we built a school near an IDP camp. Uh, one of the things the IDPs have problem is they have no education for their kids. So we built a school that serves 300 students. We pay for everything, the uniforms the books, everything, and we meet with them say, okay, and address the needs. Okay, what do you guys need? Uh, how can we help? How can we, you know, take what we're doing here and apply it to other IDP camps? And uh, it's just being there and ministering with our team leaders and addressing their needs and making sure we are actively, you know, we're, we're, we're not behind on things, that we're keeping things moving forward. Mm-hmm. So we're actively traveling around our areas, meeting our team members, making sure that they have what they need to do the job. Now, is the Mus- the Muslim in, uh, uh, intrusion, is it a danger to the, your ground team there at these schools? 
Oh yeah, yeah. We've uh, um, we've had uh, one of our teachers was killed uh, at our school last year. Um, we've had uh, uh, our team members have been uh, shot at. Um, uh, thank God they've survived. Uh, we've had team members whose uh, sisters, uh, brothers, aunts and uncles have been kidnapped. Um, it's it's something that they risk their lives on a daily basis to serve our brothers and sisters and to serve their uh, serve their per- they're persecuted themselves. Yeah. But they're going into the more dangerous areas where the killings are occurring and happening, and they risk their lives just to help them out. And uh, when we're there, uh, we have security detail because they're if. We take the wrong road or go down the wrong area. There, uh, there's a price on our heads as well. Oh sure. What kind of security detail are you talking about? Uh, we contract uh, with um, Nigerian civil defense forces, and we have armed uh, three to four armed security guards uh, that travel with our team wherever we go. And wow. and what that also does is it also stops uh, it also stops us from getting stopped by bandits. Because if you if um, you go from one town to another, it's not uncommon for them to lay a log in front of the road, stop you, um, and, you know, at gunpoint, and try to rob you on the road or make you pay a bunch of money just to pass the road. Right. When you right. Have, when you have security forces with you, they don't stop you; they let you go right on through. Wow! And so they're aware that this is a uh, security force uh, protected entourage going through. Yes. That's unreal. How long will you be there when you're there for this trip, Judd? Uh, our durations uh, are usually between two to four weeks. Man. Now, do you uh, take volunteers with you? I know this is not your everyday mission trip uh, type of a thing for volunteers to go along. Uh, do you ever do that? Um, we'll take volunteers if they have a skill set that meets a specific need for the mission. Um, I, I don't like to give tours because uh, <laughs> it's it, I cannot guarantee safety. Right. So even even with those with those skills that you're searching, I mean, there's in a real way. I mean, we're, we are talking and that's why I'm asking the question. We're talking about a scenario where they're putting their life on the line. Literally, their life is on the line for this mission. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I make that very clear. I mean, when people like people, oh, I want to go visit the orphans. I want to go see this and do this. I'm like, okay, look, this is not, this is not a sight and see foo foo mission. This right. Is, right. This is the this is the real deal, um, and uh, it, it is a sacrifice to come to Nigeria. Mm. Now you mentioned uh, you're being a filmmaker and all of that. And I know that you go in. Do you take video? Do you take? Have you put together documentaries on your trips? Uh, we're working on putting together a mini documentary about our mission uh, right now. It's it, but primarily a lot of it's been put on hold just because of the the mass amount of attacks that have been occurring so fast. Yeah. All our resources have been going into responding and and, and helping out uh, persecuted Christians. It's you know there there hasn't been a lull <laughs> for us to concentrate on that. It's just we just it's just we just keep moving forward and helping out as much as we can. But we, it is in the process. We hope to have something out by the end of the year. Wow, that would be very interesting to see. And I know that uh, a lot of people in in those countries like that, those that are doing this persecution, uh, they would love to see that stopped. They don't want truth to be out there. And I love the name of your ministry that's uh, reaching out. It's Truth Nigeria, because the Bible talks about they that know the truth. Well, the truth will set them free. If it's true, if it's truth, (laughs) it only comes from God. So that is good stuff that you're doing there. I love that. Well, we've we created that because no one's talking about it. No one's talking about what's really happening there. And so I wanted to create this one to let the world know what's going on, but to also hold the Nigerian government accountable and say, look, we know what's going on. We're reporting on what's going on. And but through this effort, I'll, I'll just I, I, I'd like to say this through this effort. Um, we've been able to gather intelligence and publish terror alerts of when attacks were, are going to occur, when they're going to occur. And so far, we are six for six in wow. being accurate and correct 
and we have saved tens of thousands of lives because of issuing those terror alerts based on our intelligence. So, so that means that you're hearing reports of where some of these uh, terrorists are going in, and you're you're doing that uh, intel and and putting the alert out, so people are a little bit better prepared than they might otherwise be. Yes, and and we and they and we know we have thwarted off uh, two attacks because of our alert and um, you know thousands of people gathering together at a village and saying no you're not coming through here, and they actually backed off, and they didn't attack mm-hmm. because we're able to warn people and draw numbers. And, you know, uh, and I'm I'm very proud of that. If all of our efforts just for those terror alerts and saving lives, it's worth it right there. Oh, I would think so. I mean, you're doing a great service to those people, without a doubt, much less than all of the humanitarian stuff that's going on. So I got to ask the question, what does your own family think about your involvement? Obviously, your grandfather has been involved with this country for many years. What do what the rest of your family members think about your involvement in this, uh, what feels almost like a war zone? My parents think I'm crazy. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll just be honest. My parents think I'm crazy. Uh, they don't quite understand uh, why I do what I do um, in, in doing this. Uh, my grandfather does. Uh, he definitely supports what we're doing for this mission. Uh, my personal family, uh, my wife and kids, um, they are with me 100%. Wow. Um, that's one thing I want to warn everybody. If you're going into, if you're going into missions, you got to make sure your wife is on board. Yeah. You right. know, when God calls you to go somewhere, make sure your wife is on board yeah. with you so, so you can go about this mission with the backing of your family. And uh, God's blessed me with a great wife and, and, and children, and they are 100% with me in this mission. I'm sure they're praying around the clock when you're gone. Yes, they do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you, how do you keep your ear to the ground while you're there? What kind of, what kind of uh, communication are you able to have over there? Uh, we have, we have a network of, pe- of, of pastors and people all throughout the middle belt that, uh, that we've been able to build a great network and team with. And, um, as, and so I'm in regular contact with them and I can't give specifics as to how, um, oh, yeah, right. but, but I'm in regular contact with them. And, uh, so we are on the pulse of what's going on on a regular basis. Well, the last thing in the world we ever want to do is ask you a question that could somehow either endanger anyone on your team or or the efforts that's going on. So I get that. And there's a lot of uh, areas in North Africa that are being monitored. And it is it's really concerning. I mean, people are what you've discovered. Uh, people are throughout that nation, throughout that continent, are uh, oftentimes in danger every day of their lives, as are the people you're reaching out to for, th- for this particular trip that you're about ready to make. Judd, what would be the express goal for this upcoming trip? Uh, the reason for this trip is to, we're going, we're going to a, um, minister to a large uh, group of people and run a medical intervention uh, to an area that has been heavily attacked in the last three months where over a thousand people have been killed. And oh, uh, there's over 10,000 survivors and IDPs from this area now. Uh, so we're running a big intervention with them, but it's also we're setting up satellite offices in different locations in Nigeria to be able to respond to attacks in certain states. And so we're going to inspect those locations, meet the team members to those locations, and to make sure that everything is running smooth. What is that acronym that you've just mentioned, IDP? What does that stand oh, for? Internally Displaced Person. That's the UN's term for internal refugee. Mm-hmm. You can't they, so they won't call them refugees, but they'll call them internally displaced persons. I don't know who came up with that acronym, but it's uh, it came out of the United Nations. Isn't that something? So these people, when they are displaced like that, and they're they're put out into into these camps you mentioned, uh, how how are they even existing apart from people like you? How do they make it when they're all put together in one little camp? I mean, it's not like they've got, like you said, they don't have a 7-Eleven convenience store to run off to. There are some local churches will try to scrounge up what they have and what's available to give, which isn't very much because you're already talking about impoverished people. Yeah. Um, 
and then people are trying to go out and trying to find a way, a, a, a new way to try to make a living to survive. But a lot of people in these camps, after they're established within the first uh, few months, a lot of people die because of the sanitation and the disease and the problems in these camps. Wow. Well, this gives us something new to pray about. Judd Saul and uh, his team uh, will next week we be going back as part of Truth Nigeria's reach into this nation and to help these people, especially these displaced refugees that are out there. They need to have mercy. We need prayer. They need water. They need food. How can people donate to your cause, Judd? They can go to equippingthepersecuted.org. That's all one word, equippingthepersecuted.org. Don't get confused with other persecuted uh, stuff out there. We are equippingthepersecuted.org. And uh, sign up on our email list, uh, ask you to donate to our mission. Uh, In fact, I'd just like to say this. uh, We had a donor offer up a $100,000 donation match, and we have until October 8th. Uh, to meet that don uh, to meet that goal, so any money that is donated up until October eighth is pretty much doubled. So I'd encourage encourage you to donate at our website, equippingthepersecuted.org, and then most and foremost, please keep us in your prayers, keep our mission in your prayers, and pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. They need it, and you're doing a phenomenal work. And, you know, a lot of times people, they'll make statements like what I made when I was a young guy who might be a little fearful of mission work because there was that whole picture like God may ask you to go to Africa. Well, here you're a young man that you did that, and and yet you felt like God gave you a purpose and a mission and a joy to serve these people. And I can tell that that's really in your heart. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it out of great desire. Man, I appreciate you, Judd. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you and your ministry. Thank you for having me on. And if I could just make one more comment. Absolutely. When you get on your knees and you repent to God, and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, and then you follow that with, Lord, do whatever you want to do in my life. I am yours. I never thought ever that he would send me to Nigeria. Yeah. But he did. But when you submit to God and you follow his will, he will take you places that you have never dreamed possible. That's so true. I agree. And I just want to encourage everybody, if you're sitting on the fence and you're not sure about what's going on, when you give it all to God and you do what he calls you to do, your life will change forever for the better. Give us that website one more time, if you will, Judd. Equippingthepersecuted.org. Hey, man, thank you for being on. We'll be praying for you while you're gone next week, okay? Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Judd Saul, my guest for this uh, couple of segments. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Thank you so much again for joining us today on Afternoons with Mike. And on the line with me from Dallas, Texas, I've got Robert Borelli on the line. Robert, welcome back to my program. Well, thank you, Mike, for allowing me to be on your program a second time. So I kind of consider that an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for using me. Well, you know, actually, this is time number three when you count the uh, time we spent together at the NRB in Texas a couple of years ago. And it was then that you gave me a copy of a book that I'm holding right now called The Witness. And that is uh, the subtitle is A Tale of the Life and Death of a Mafia Madman. So, wow, I know that picture of you that's on that cover, that is a... um, uh, that's kind of a, a a very horrifying thought to a lot of people to be associated with, to be, let's say, named among those that are in the, the crime scene of the mafia. And yet that's what your life was about for a while, right? Yes, well, probably a little over 23 years. 
unreal. 23 years. And unlike the person that you witnessed about here, uh, your life is still going on and in really every way much greater than ever before, my friend. And it is, it's great to see the transforming power of God, isn't it? Amen to that. And that, that's, that's kind of what I want people to see that, you know, I was part of the people who most thought were unredeemable. So, like, growing up, and even as a kid, um, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, he's probably going to be in jail or dead for the rest of his life. And if a Christian maybe setting, they've seen an unredeemable person, you know, hanging out, doing the drugs, the lifestyle that I live. But I want to let everybody know that nobody is unredeemable. Uh, we give our life to Christ, and He can redeem the unredeemable. I love uh, a quote that's on the back cover of your book. It says, Robert is as unlikely an evangelist as Paul was an apostle. (laughs) That's well said. Now, we all know that even though it might have been unlikely, a man who persecuted Christians the way he did, uh, a, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he said he was, yet that man became quite uh, the uh, the apostle and robert it is very clear that god's called you to share the story as you are doing and today now we're going to be talking about not just the book but also uh, a documentary that's now out and available to view and uh, tell us about that well you know we we did a it's it's a mini document it's about 15 minutes long and of course it took us about 20 something hours to shoot it but anyway we packed it down into 15 minutes and uh it's based about sharing my heart uh with the people uh who like i said might feel or seem unredeemable for whatever past that they might have or or for whatever for, for whatever where they're at right now mm-hmm. and uh that's the whole key to the documentary is sharing my heart uh in this uh, mini documentary so uh we put it on our. We we had a premiere out here. We we had a good attendance, and we, we showed it that, that way. And now we got it on our website. Uh, so if anybody wants to go to robertborelli dot com, it'll be right on the front uh, page of that uh, the home page uh, where they can watch the documentary. And it's just about really sharing my heart and my love and where I was to where I am today, and uh, all the setbacks and you know just. Like the book says, a witness. I was a witness for the government, uh, and now I'm a witness for Jesus. And, uh, you know, just do what I believe God's called me to do. You know, I love that. And I'm hearing you say and talk about these things, and I'm in, in my mind's eye, I'm thinking of my, a conversation I had with my wife after the last time you were on. She goes, Mike, Robert sounds a lot like Donald Trump. Have you ever been told that? No, no, I haven't. Not been tr- told that there. Uh, maybe somebody should tell Donald Trump, Trump that there. Maybe he'll donate to my ministry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I can hear it. You do sound a, a bit like it. But uh, well, he's got that New York attitude, you know, the New York language. I think. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You've got it. If you start talking about building a wall now, I, I may I may really get confused here, but but that, that's that's for another conversation. All right. So well, this... actually, we're trying to tear down the walls, right? <laughs> that, that, that we built up ourselves that's, to separate us from each other. So. That's right. That's well said. The wall that divided us from God, that's what we're trying to tear down. And Robert, you're doing a great job with that. Now this uh, this documentary it's free to watch, right? Yes, yes. And if people feel up to it on that page, there's also a contribute page. If they feel up to it and they want to see more stuff like this, here, of course, you know. Uh, I wish it didn't cost money, but these things do cost money to get them uh, out there. And if people want to contribute to it, they go to that contribute page and do it. Yes, but it is for free. It's uh, and. Just if they feel like donating and want to see more, then this will help us be able to do that. What are you trying to do with this documentary? Who is the group that you're trying to reach? Well, we're trying to reach the lost. That's number one. But then also some that are in the church that 
<clears throat> you know, I, I like to make it even a wake-up call for those that those that are in the church already, those that are saved already. That listen, we can see where our country's headed. I mean, there's no way we could avoid it unless we don't want to watch TV. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just mean you're not seeing it happen or being uh, or understanding what's going on. But our country's in a place where I cry for my for the United States of America right now. My heart is broken for it. And we want to try to reach people to let them know that everything that seems hopeless, we don't know where the truth is, who the truth is. We see so much controversy going on. And I can go into the politics of it, but I won't. Uh, but I want to share that those that feel like they don't know the truth, that they don't know who to believe or what to believe, I want to point them to Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And if they want to know the truth about God's plan of purpose for us, we have a book called the Bible. And that book is the greatest map, the greatest guidebook book that we could ever have. And it is there again for us to read and, and to see. And I agree with you. But what you're saying is so true. I mean, we're living in a day where a lot of people are, are really confused as to what to believe. They don't. They certainly don't uh, trust the government, and they don't trust the media. And there's a lot of voices out there that's trying to grab every one of these people for their own cause. And the, the progressive left's message is, is out there trying to bend all of us around into a world of thinking about transgenderism and gender confusion. And then you have all of the stuff that's going on on the world stage with the war in Ukraine and Russia. This is, this is a troubling time for a lot of people, right? Without a doubt. You know, I never thought I would see a time. Now, I, I lived a bad life, and, and when I got arrested, I deserved to get arrested. So, you know, I committed crimes and I got arrested for it. But I never thought I would see the day where our food is being locked up and our criminals are being set free. Wow. Well said. I never thought I would see that. Well, I tell you what, another one, I've never thought I would see a day where they would have what they consider to be serious conversations about whether or not a baby born is either a boy or a girl. You would never have thought that would have come in my lifetime. I, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, I agree with this. So much we could talk about that. Maybe at another time we will, we could bring a lot of that up, but I'm not a politician. I don't follow a lot of politicians, but I can see what's happening in our country and probably in the world, but more of my heart right now is for my country. Yeah. That yeah. if we don't wake up, we will be, I don't know, we may not be a country anymore. Yeah. You know, I think back to what Ronald Reagan said, if we ever cease to be one nation under God, we may be down under, all right? We may be a nation gone under. And exactly. those are concerning thoughts and words, but I am grateful that people like you are making a difference. You've made this documentary. Again, what would you say if you were to give a, a thumbnail sketch as to the contents of this documentary? What does it involve, Robert? Well, you know, what, what, you know, at the end, I do give a little bit about, you know, about who Jesus Christ is and that God has a plan and a purpose for everyone's life if we just surrender it over to him. And I, I think the purpose of the documentary is just to share my heart behind the ministry. And that was the whole purpose of the documentary in hopes that we will move forward and maybe doing what I have a couple of people are interested in doing, maybe a mini series on my life or even maybe a movie. Mm -hmm. I like the mini series better because somebody said, your story is so big and so grand to try to fit in into an hour and a half. We might be missing a lot of people's, you know, the attention of a lot of people. So I like them to, to maybe the, the kind of a mini series kind of thing. The lights real. So that's what we're hoping to do. But the my main thing is I want people to know what Christ has done in my life and what he has done already in their life if they're just willing to accept it. That's that's the key thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the cross was already done. Our sins are already forgiven. All we have to do is accept the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the cross, the change that took place, the exchange 
I should say, that took place at the cross. He took on my sins and gave me his righteousness. There was an exchange that took place. And I think when we fully understand that there, we will devote more of our time and attention and our love to the one that took our sins and gave us his righteousness. Oh, that is so well said. Again, now this documentary is... um available for viewing and all you have to do is go to robert's website and i'd like to if it's okay i can put a link to this on our uh, shepherd facebook page too would that be okay sure sure so that'd be another yeah. way friends uh in, just uh, in a little short while you'll be able to see that link for robert borelli i'll uh, i'll have a picture of robert on there as well and then the book is available wherever books are sold right no no they're not I recommend everybody, if they want a signed book, or uh, uh, to go to my website. They can order a book. All they have to do is give me their information, who they want, where they want me to send it, who they want me to send it to. They can purchase it there, or they can get it from Amazon.com. If you go to my website, it's for a donation. Right. Whatever donation you feel God is calling you to make for the book, I would send it to you, mail it personally to you. On Amazon.com, of course, I can't sell them at whatever price they charge. I think it's like $16 a book. Got it. So it, I know it really helps your ministry more if they buy it directly from you, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's that's the whole key because everything from the book goes to the ministry. Nobody gets anything from the book uh, uh, sales or anything like that. And we don't try not to sell them. We really just try to ask people to make a donation for, for mm-hmm. the book which will help the ministry go forward. And the other key thing to the premiere uh, of doing the documentary was in the hopes that we would get people to partner up with us. It's kind of like a little bit of a form of a fundraiser kind of thing that we could do more things and greater things because that's my thing is you see this the documentary and I believe greater things are yet to come. I believe it. It's called Redeemable. Robert uh, Borelli's mini documentary. It's the Redeemable trailer. And uh, you can see this this thing right now, again, at Robert's website. Give us that website one more time. It's robertborelli.com. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-B-O-R-E-L-L-I.com. That's as easy as it is. Robert, it's great. I'm glad, uh, great to talk with you. I'm glad that things are a bit cooler there in Dallas right now. And the same for you. And I'm hoping someday I get to meet you and shake your hand. Okay, buddy. We'll look forward to it. Thank you for being with me. And friends, thanks for joining us today right here on Afternoons with Mike. 